630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. One hour done. We got two to go here. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports. Dave Campbell for Reed Wilkins tonight. Reed back in the big chair tomorrow. Live from Commonwealth Stadium. Site of the, uh, well, it's not site of the draft. The draft site will be basically spread across all nine CFL teams. Uh, there'll be a broadcast by TSN tomorrow. They'll carry the first round and you'll see Jeffrey Orridge uh, make all the picks in the first round. Uh, but uh, Morley... Scott will be down at Commonwealth Stadium. The voice of the Eskimos, Reed, will be down tomorrow as well. You'll hear from Ed Hervey, the GM of the Eskimos. You'll hear from the head coach, Jason Moss. You'll hear from Morley himself. You might hear the first overall or the first pick for the Eskimos as well. Always possible. But uh, that's what's happening tomorrow. So Reed will be down tomorrow. We'll hear from also Chris O'Leary, former uh, Edmonton Journal Eskimos beat writer, who's now writing for the Toronto Star, who's from Fort McMurray. His family is from Fort McMurray. Thankfully, they are okay. I mean, what's really amazing about this is that there were no casualties in the fire. I know there's a tragic accident on uh, Highway 881 that claimed the two lives of uh, uh, two teenagers, so that was tragic. But this fire didn't claim anyone, which was unbelievable. A lot of damage. Uh, about 15 or 10, 10 or 15 percent of the town is uh, destroyed. Uh, but Chris O'Leary is going to give his recollections uh, on Fort McMurray and uh, just what it was like to basically be there from you know from a, a sporting perspective and just from a life perspective. You know he grew up there, so uh, we're going to hear that as well. So Reed's back in the big chair tomorrow. We're looking forward to that. But uh, you got me for the next couple of hours. We're hoping to talk with Patrick Russell all the way in Thailand, where it's about eight in the morning. <laughs> In, in Thailand right now. So uh, the Oilers are just trying to make the connection with Patrick. So we're hoping to have him after 8 o'clock. So we're going to delay things a little bit as far as that is concerned. So we'll talk some Oiler hockey after uh, more after 8 o'clock. Um, yeah, I mean, the Oilers are doing everything they can possible to restock their depth. And Bob Stoffer talked about it earlier on the show after 6.30, how unfortunately their second round picks, anything really past the second round in the last number of years, hasn't really turned out. The only the only player that is left in the organization you know, really that's with the club is Tyler Pitlick who spent some time here last year got hurt and spent uh, this season down on the farm but they signed Drake Kajula, who was a highly touted NCAA prospect, maybe the highest uh, or the uh, most sought-after NCAA prospect. Scrappy guy, 5'10". And then they signed Patrick Russell, who's from Denmark, by the way, speaks five languages, has played all over the place. <laughs> uh, in you know, man, this is a well-traveled young man. He's in Thailand because that's where his dad is from. (laughs) 
His mother lives in Copenhagen, Denmark. So this is a well-traveled uh, individual, both personal, personally and professionally. But he's a big guy, 6'1". Yeah, someone that is known for busting the cycle up, and that's what the Oilers need. They need, they need more players like Peter Shirelli wants his team to play, the style. Cycle game, more of a, a physical game, and obviously they have some skill in their lineup. They want to add some defensemen and that sort of thing. We'll see what they do at the draft. We talked about that last half hour too. If you want to text in, you can at 6.30, uh, 6.30. But hopefully we'll talk with Patrick Russell in the next hour, hopefully after 8 o'clock. Give you this uh, Crystal Glass scoreboard brought to you by Crystal Glass for all your needs. Call 310-GLASS today. At the half, it is the Heat up 44-35 in game number four of their Eastern Conference second round series. That series right now in the favor of the Raptors at two games to one. In the National Hockey League, we have two playoff games going on, one just underway and one that is in the second or first intermission. The Stars with goals from Matthias Yankmark, his second of the playoffs. Vernon Findler, his first. Jason Spezza, his fifth of the playoffs. The Stars are up three-zip and have chased Brian Elliott to the bench and Jake Allen is now in net for the uh, Dallas Stars, or for the St. Louis Blues. And just getting underway in Nashville, the Predators at home to the San Jose Sharks, round two action there. And the Sharks are trying to wrap it up and head to the Western Conference Final. Later on tonight in San Francisco, when we switch things up and talk about Major Leagues of Baseball, the uh, Toronto Blue Jays will take on the San Francisco Giants. At the World Hockey Championships today, it was Canada routing Belarus by a score of eight to nothing. So tomorrow we got the CFL draft. The Eskimos are picking eighth. And thanks to the New York Giants, the draft's back on. <laughs> they signed, I think, nine prospects. Nine. But they were all released on the weekend. The draft is back on, folks. As, as I mentioned, the Eskimos have the eighth overall pick. Morley Scott had a chance to talk to Justin Dunk about this draft. Yeah, that's one of the intricacies and one of the unique things about the CFL draft is finding talented players, but finding players that are going to actually be in your camp. And obviously David Onyemata won't soon be in the CFL. He could be down the line. I still think he could be drafted in the later rounds on the off chance he ever ends up up here. But that's what makes it tricky about the CFL is trying to wade your way through what these Canadians might do in terms of the NFL. Uh, Anya Matt is the big story because he was drafted in the NFL draft, but there's a couple of other guys who are highly ranked in the CFL draft that have been given tryouts uh, for NFL mini camps and, and tryout camps. How is that going to affect? First off, can you, do you have a list of, of who those guys are who are kind of in that bubble zone for the CFL draft? Yeah, I'll run off the list of guys that actually signed NFL deals. So, Tavon Smith, the receiver out of Iowa, Mehdi Abdesbad, the defensive lineman out of Boston College, Arjun Colvin, the defensive back out of Michigan State, and Ellie Buka, the defensive back out of the University of Calgary, have all signed contracts. So, they will be going to NFL training camps in August, which means that CFL teams at least won't get them until then. And it's pretty likely that those guys, if they perform well, could make a roster or a practice roster in the NFL. So odds are you might not see those guys for at least one year, if not longer. Now, there's a whole host of other players that have NFL minicamp invites the Giants 
have invited uh, close to a double-digit number, if not over, of guys to their camp once again. And there's some other players um, going to various camps. Some of the higher-ranked guys, Alex Singleton, a linebacker out of Montana State, is going to Patriots rookie minicamp. Trent Corney, defensive lineman out of Virginia, was a bit of a shock. Some people thought he would be picked in the NFL draft. He wasn't, didn't get a UDFA contract. He ends up getting a Jets minicamp invite. So those are some of the top guys that are going to rookie minicamp. What is it with the New York Giants that they love Canadians so much? Because they have, a, as you mentioned, a bunch of Canadians invited this year. And they did, if memory serves, they did the same thing last year, did they not? Yeah, they did. There was whew, over 10 for sure last year. There might have even been 15 Canadians at Giants rookie minicamp. And again this year, I believe we're into the double digits. What is going on i think is that they see that the cis brand of football is getting better and it gives them an opportunity to check out these players on an nfl field and within their sort of controlled football environment and part of the reason too is they have a canadian assistant gm and kevin abrams so he's looking north of the border and looking anywhere to find talent for his football team all right let's talk about the draft crop as a whole, Justin, uh, how good is it compared to years past? It's pretty good. The top tier is really good. About the top three rounds are going to get players that could contribute and possibly be starters down the line. It's not as deep as the 2015 draft because the 2015 draft had, you know, a lot of the red shirts were, had been held back a year with sort of a double cohort where in the later rounds you were getting some really talented players. But the top rounds and the top talent in this draft is right up there with any other draft in recent memory. Saskatchewan has the first pick. What's your gut tell you? Are they going to use it or are they going to trade it? Well, I think ideally they would like to trade it and recoup some picks. You know, they traded away some picks to get Maurice Price, but he retired. They traded away a pick to get Bruce Campbell. He retired. So they're down a few picks. They picked number one overall, and then they don't pick again until late in the third round. Now, my gut is saying that teams aren't really – sort of bowling them over with any offers right now. As much as Saskatchewan would like to trade it, recoup some picks, maybe even get a player that could contribute, that type of offer doesn't seem to be out there right now. So unless something changes between now and, you know, leading up to draft day, often those talks heat up right before the riders are due on the clock or right before that team who's picking number one is due to pick. So as things pick up in that time, I'm not so sure it gets traded right now. The Eskimos, Justin, are uh, eighth in the first round. Last pick in the first round. Winnipeg, of course, doesn't have a pick in round one because they used it in the supplemental draft last year. What can the Eskimos expect to get, in your opinion, at that eighth spot? Well, you can get a pretty good player there. This draft is one that doesn't seem to have a consensus number one overall player. At the top of it, there's really some talented guys that should be on the board there when Edmonton picks, and I think they could get a, a very talented player that should be able to contribute year one. And es the Eskimos' needs in your mind. Uh, me, I'm, I'm thinking DBs where they're pretty thin on Canadians and uh, that defensive tackle spot where they've, they've got three guys there, but they're all in their late 20s and starting to get on a little bit. Yeah, really, if you look at their Canadian depth overall, it, it's pretty good. You know, they have, they're likely going to start three Canadian offensive linemen. Um, they would probably like to get uh, another young offensive lineman to put behind and develop behind center Justin Sorensen. They're likely to start the two Canadian receivers with Nate Kuhorn and Chris Getzlaff. So that's five starters, Eddie Steele, 
start the defensive tackle and probably Kochi Mwamba at safety. So that's seven pretty good Canadian starters, and they have depth at those positions. So even as you said, Morley, if you think maybe they need to get a little younger in the defensive backfield or defensive tackle, I think Edmonton and GM Ed Hervey have really put themselves in a spot where their Canadian depth is strong, where they're going to play their Canadians, and they can really go best player available. Yeah, I think you got to give Ed Hervey credit for what he's accomplished the last three or four years because the cupboard was pretty bare for Canadians about four or five years ago here. It was. It's a whole lot different now, and you can't leave out Canadian scout Rob Ralph as well. He's an integral part in that process. Canadian draft goes on uh, Tuesday. Uh, once again, you look at the, the players uh, on the CFL uh, draft board for their rankings, and you see three players in the top 20 from Laval, two players in the top 10 from Laval. Uh, what do you know about that program, that they're just able to pump out players year after year? Well, it's the way they develop their offensive linemen. You know, Carl Brennan, the offensive line coach there with Arugia Howard, just has a knack for getting these guys ready for the pro game. They run sort of a more pro-style CFL system on their offense. They run the ball a lot. They protect the passer very well. So he's been heralded as a guy that has been able to develop a number of high-caliber offensive linemen. And the Eskimos fans have seen it out there in Edmonton recently with Danny Grew being picked in the first round last year. Calgary's kind of the same uh, in the West. They've done a, a lot of great work over the last few years. They've got a couple of guys ranked in the top 20, but they're another team that just keeps pumping out those players year after year. Yeah, they really do, and I think a lot of the credit there goes to Blake Nill. He was the one that brought in all those talented recruiting classes and kept them coming through. Um, obviously, Nill is at UBC now, so we've seen a couple of UBC guys jump up in the rankings, namely a guy like Taylor Loeffler. Um, but Calgary has certainly been right up there in terms of producing CFL-caliber talent. Justin Dunk from Sportsnet.ca and Three Down Nation uh, with us on the Eskimo Show this afternoon talking about the Canadian draft, which goes on Tuesday. Start time is 5 o'clock here uh, in Edmonton. They've added a round this year. It's an eight-round draft now instead of seven. Uh, is that troubling? Uh, it originally, I guess, kind of shows that Canadian talent is getting better, and we know that because there's more and more Canadians going to the NFL. But is there enough Canadian players to go another another round? Well, we're about to find out whether there is or not, Morley. Uh, I believe there is, and I think the reason that this extra round was added was to get another non-counter into training camp, into your facility, and into a football environment where you can evaluate him over a long period of time because these draft picks don't count towards the roster number in training camp until you're cutting down to your final, final roster. So you can have another Canadian player that you can take a good, hard, long look at and decide on, and you won't have a guy like, let's say, Rob Begg, who had to go the undrafted free agent route, where he eventually made his Saskatchewan Rough Riders and has turned into an impressive career. You could have him in your camp and not have these guys maybe slipping through the cracks. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the big picture, a guy may not make the team who's taken in that eighth round, but as you say, he gets in, he gets the football environment, he gets the experience, and he might be drafted by Saskatchewan, but three or four years from now, he might be playing in Winnipeg or Toronto or Hamilton, and that training camp he had with Saskatchewan helped him to get to where, he's at, where he is at the time. Yeah, exactly. They could go to training camp, take that experience in the pro game. And a lot of these guys oftentimes in the CIS have that extra year of eligibility left so they can take what they've learned and go back and work on some of the areas they need to improve and then come back the next year to that team. All right, one more for you on the draft, Justin. Uh, Onyemata, is he going to be picked by someone? Will someone take a chance on him, do you think? 
Yeah, it, it would be shocking if a team, especially with the eighth round added now, didn't pick David Onyemata just because you might not think he's going to be in the CFL now or possibly ever, depending how well his career goes there down in the NFL. He's, worth, he's going to be worth the pick when you get into some of those later rounds just based on talent and upside compared to some of those other players. I look at Vaughn Martin as a perfect example of this. He was drafted a few years ago in the NFL in the fourth round by the San Diego Chargers. The Montreal Alouettes took him in the later rounds of the CFL draft. Now that he's gone through a cycle in the NFL, you know, he had a pretty good stint down there. It was over four, five, or six years. He's now back with the Alouettes and is a starting caliber defensive lineman. So that's uh, Justin Dunk from CFL.ca and 3 Down Nation. Excellent blogger, great draft insight. Uh, speaking with Morley Scott, voice of the Edmonton Eskimos here on 630 Chad, and we'll see what happens tomorrow. Uh, the Eskimos pick eighth overall. Will they try to trade up? Will they try to trade out of the first round and maybe pick up another second rounder? They have no picks in the third and fourth round. And they're probably in best player available mode. And if you listen to Ed Hervey, and we'll play, uh, if we have time, we'll play his comments a little bit later on. Um, but how he likes to build his, you know, Canadians is you start from the inside and you work your way out. So that means you look at your offense and defensive line, see where you're at, and then you branch out. The Eskimos' most pressing need, in my view, is their defensive backfield. They have Koshi Mwamba, and they have Ray Hartman, and they have Mike Dubison, and you know names that you don't really know about. But we know the name Koshi Mwamba. They lost Ryan Hines to free agency. That is probably an area that they want to address. But do you do it with your first pick? It depends who's available. You know the best the best available DB is probably Tyler Loeffler out of uh, out of UBC. But if, it, if an old lineman is there and he is a really good prospect and apparently now with the way things that have shaken out and the way that you know the, the, the draft structure in the first round is looking with uh, players that are in NFL camps later on in the summer, old linemen are ruling the draft. So if there is a good old lineman, would the Eskimos be foolish to pass up on him? I think so. They got to address their D-line too, but can you do that later in the draft? So we'll see what action the Eskimos do tomorrow from the trade front. Will they want to add more picks? So we'll see what happens. But uh, I would not be surprised if an O-lineman gets picked because they are highly coveted. But you never know what can happen in a draft. I mean, Danny Grew was a top two, top three offensive line prospect, and he fell to seven. And the Eskimos snapped him up. 723, back with more in a moment of 630 Chet Inside Sports. You're listening to 630 Chet Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Puck to the point near side. Pareko shot the flex away. Nichushkin sends it ahead. Denmark in, shooting it, scores. High glove on Elliott. And the Dallas Stars get the first goal of the game. Four minutes, 53 seconds into the first period. Once again, the speed of Yanmark. Paying off. Kept in at the point five. Russell over to CV or he centers the shot, comes off the post and in. The Stars quickly make it two to nothing. 14.43 to go in the first period. Over to the far wing. That's over the line. Losing an edge. Bo Meester spits a toe drag, shoots and scores. 
So as Bo Meester wiped out, the Stars get the power play. It's three to nothing Dallas, and it looks like Jake Allen's going to see his first action of the postseason. And Jake Allen indeed is seeing his first action of the postseason. And the Blues have just scored to make it 3-1. Alex Steen, his first or his fourth goal of the playoffs, 3-1 is the score. Chris Tierney has scored his second of the playoffs uh, for the San Jose Sharks. They're up 1-0 midway through the first. They are trying, the Sharks are trying to eliminate the Predators and advance to the Western Conference Final. 46-42, 10 minutes left in the third quarter. Miami Heat over the Toronto Raptors right now. Game four of their Eastern Conference semifinal. Raptors trying to take a three games to one lead. We'll keep the uh, football theme going after 7.30, after we hear from Morgan Smith from the 6.30 Chad 24-hour news center. We'll hear from kicker Sean White. Yeah, we'll talk about the season coming up, but we'll focus on a great trip overseas to visit our Canadian Armed Forces in some pretty unique locations. So we'll hear from Sean White. After the news at 7.30, still hoping to hook up with Patrick Russell, one of the two college players that the Oilers signed today. Plus we'll talk a little soccer after 8.30 as well. Back with more Inside Sports in a moment. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tonight. He'll be back tomorrow live from Commonwealth Stadium for the CFL Canadian College Draft. This half hour brought to you by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. Visit actionfurnace.ca. I want to bring this to your attention as well. The uh, Global Edmonton's 5 for the Fort. So you can join tomorrow. Global News' Nancy Carlson, Quinn Oler, Sulingo, Margot Morin, Kent Morrison for a 5K run or walk, a fundraiser in our city's beautiful River Valley. Donations will go to the Red Cross in support of the many families impacted by the Fort McMurray wildfire. So that's tomorrow night at 7 o'clock at Kinsman. Look for the Global Edmonton Tent. Registration opens at 6.30. Run starts at 7 o'clock sharp. And uh, for you to walk, minimum $5 donation to the Red Cross. And you can join Nancy, Quinn, Sulin, Go, Margot, and Kent. And we thank you very much for your support. For more info, go to global, globalnews.ca slash Edmonton or click on the hashtag RYEGIT tab. So that is... Globals 5 for the Fort tomorrow. And, uh, of course, last week we only had one show because of the fires in Fort McMurray, so we had to push a lot of things back last week, including this individual, and uh, we're glad to have Eskimos kicker from your 2015 Grey Cup champion, Edmonton Eskimos, Sean White, join us. Sean, how you doing? Fantastic, how are you? I'm very well. Uh, and first off, thank you very much for your uh, your understanding last week. Uh, we only had one show last week. We were scheduled to have you on uh, basically every night of the week, but every night of the week uh, past Monday we uh, we were preempted because of the uh, coverage of the Fort McMurray fires. So we thank you for your patience. We're glad to have you back on the show tonight. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, very understandable, that's for sure, in that situation. So. Uh, now, 
watching this from afar with with the stuff happening in Fort McMurray, uh, uh, I don't know what, what what comes to mind. I know the Eskimos, along with the rest of the CFL, they've done a lot of work in support of uh, support of uh, relief efforts for this fire. But uh, man, this was a beast. Yeah, it's huge, and uh, they've actually uh, they've explained it pretty well over here in the size and the magnitude of that fire, and uh, they mapped it out for us over here in the lower mainland of BC that it's pretty much from downtown BC or almost North Van all the way to the south part of, uh, of where pretty much where I live, and it's just huge and massive, and uh, my heart's out to those people that have pretty much lost everything, and a lot of those people have actually are people that I know, and that work up there and uh it's really sad because a lot of people worked so hard for maybe what little they had at that time and now it's all gone so it's very sad and uh hopefully they can uh figure it out and rebuild everything definitely puts things in perspective doesn't it real real quick it does it definitely it does and it's uh again i, I know we're about to talk about my trip and everything and just going to different places in the world and uh to have something like that to happen uh, it just devastates your life everything you save is gone and uh it's really sad. I can, if it happened to me, I don't know what I would do. It, uh, it takes some strong people to get over that. Absolutely. And uh, let's let's talk about uh, this recent trip that you were on, along with uh, the Eskimos president and CEO Len Rhodes and uh, long snapper, who guy you know very well, uh, Ryan King. Um, and we'll talk about your preps for the season coming up. His training camp is uh, fast approaching, but uh, you're able to go to Kuwait, you're able to go to France, you're able to go to Ukraine with this uh, massive contingent of of people to visit the Canadian Armed Forces. First of all, tell me how you got involved in this. Um, I was actually three years ago when I played for Montreal. Uh, at that time, uh, that the, the, the troops that were in uh, Kuwait and Kabul, Afghanistan at the time were from from Quebec. So most of them were French-speaking uh, Canadians. And I just, uh, at that time, I was living in Montreal full-time, and my long snapper, Martin Bedard, at the time, uh, got got uh, invited to go. And uh, uh, Louise uh, Desroches uh, is the lady that uh, organizes this, and she asked him if, she, if he had a teammate that would want to come out and uh, he didn't hesitate to say my name, and uh, I didn't hesitate to say, to say yes. And uh, it was a really cool experience, and I stayed in touch with Louise. And uh, when I got to Edmonton, I, my first game with Edmonton was in Calgary, and we had a, I think it was a Troops Appreciation Night that night uh, mm-hmm. the, at the game. And uh, I saw her there, and she goes, we're doing another trip in April if you want to come. I'm like, it doesn't matter when or where we're going. I'm in. Just always count me in, please. Uh, because the opportunity to do that, to go thank the troops, is just phenomenal, to go see them one-on-one. So uh, during the Great Cup, she was there again, and she was right beside my net during the game. And, uh, uh, she, again, she reaffirmed me, or reassured me that this trip was happening, and then uh, she called me and asked me if I had a teammate that would want to come, and uh, I knew Kinger would be uh, right on board. He's a guy that everyone likes. I like him, and uh, he does a lot for the community of Edmonton, and uh, I thought he'd be the perfect person to come out and uh and represent Canada, and he did awesome. Everyone loved him, and uh, it was just a phenomenal trip to uh, just change the everyday way of life of uh, our Canadian troops. That they do the same thing every single day. Yeah, so go out there and talk to them like we're normal people. As uh, you know, they always tell me like this is great. I wish you started my day every day like this. So it's cool to give back to them. Now, this was a big contingent, right? It wasn't just you and Ryan King and Len Rhodes. There were some CFL players here, some NHL alumni, and uh, someone that you're, you have a crush on from TSN. <laughs> Kate Burness, that, reading, by the way. Reading, you, yeah, you've been reading my tweets. So yes. Yeah, I was lucky enough that uh, my, my 
celebrity crush Kate Burnett was in that was there, and uh, she's really cool. And uh, you know, I've, it's more of a crush now that I know she's such a great person. And uh, yeah, we got Scott Thornton, uh, Jeff Vandenbush, uh, or sorry, Ryan Vandenbush, sorry, uh, Brian Scrudland, play a three-time Stanley Cup champion from Montreal. Tiger Williams, obviously, was famous over here in BC. I know he's famous all over, but uh, in BC, I grew up watching him ride the stick and. I remember trying that in a game and I bailed. So I told him about that. But he was he was a good. Uh, it was just a great group of people. We all we had Steve Charbonneau, uh, Exesimo, of course, mm-hmm. and uh, John Bowman and Marco Briet. I don't know how they got into that trip, but uh, they snaked themselves in. Much of all that guys. But uh, I'm just kidding. They're they're good buddies of mine, and they're great people to have on the trip. Joined by Sean White, Eskimos kicker here on 6:30. Chat Inside Sports. Uh, so you go to Kuwait. You go to France and you go to Ukraine all in a week. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what? Well, yeah, I know. It was crazy and it was, we didn't sleep much. And uh, it was such a fun group of people. And uh, we had uh, Trudeau's plane. We had uh, their like, Airbus number one or whatever they want to call it. Uh, so we had the whole plane to ourselves, pretty much flown by Canadian military. So we're treated really good. So I can't say the travel was travel, to be honest. It was very comfortable. Uh, we could walk around. We could have some drinks. We could go in the cockpit if we wanted to. I brought I brought the Grey Cup into the cockpit with the pilots as it's flying. It it was just a blast, and uh, it was tiring, but at the same time, it was too short. I could have I could have kept on going. It to me, that's not work. I could literally do that for another couple of weeks. But it was a good time, and it's amazing how much we accomplished in those couple of days. Because I know we were all exhausted by the end of it. Now, where you where you go and visit when you go and visit the troops? You're right in the line of fire, I, w- I would imagine, right? <laughs> in the line of fire, what? Well, you know, I mean, you're you're in a war, you're in a in a war zone, basically, right? So, well, it, it, Kuwait Kuwait can be probably maybe the probably the scariest place. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I went to Kabul the first time, and obviously that's straight into a war zone. So yeah, we were in bulletproof armor and right. armored trucks and things like that. But uh, this trip was actually. It was more like a vacation, to be honest. Ah, okay. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just trying to make it sound less than it is, because we did do a lot. We had a lot of feel like, I me mean, as a player, I just moved. But we had we have a band that they got to stay up and perform and do all these things. Like, they did a lot of work. But uh, this trip was, yeah, Kuwait's kind of sketchy, I guess. It can be, but we're pretty we're pretty secure there with our troops there, American troops and Italians. And uh, we, got, uh, we got some serious defense happening there, so... We feel safe there. I've never felt any any worry whatsoever. And Marseille, France, was just beautiful. It was just like a vacation, and uh, just hanging out on a boat with the with the troops. And uh, and then uh, Lviv, Ukraine, um, is just uh, we're in the way western side of Ukraine. All the action over there is on the eastern side. So uh, we just saw one of their training bases where they train the Ukrainian soldiers. Uh, that's what our Canadian troops are doing. Uh, and it's pretty quick turnaround. Like Ukrainian soldiers, they get in there. 55 days later, they're on the front lines. So it's hmm. uh, it's pretty intense, and uh, and there, that was kind of uh, you know that was kind of a kick in the pants there, a wake up for me, is because I saw what they how they lived and what they ate every day, and I'm like, oh my goodness! And lucky enough for me that uh, my first trip in Kabul, I met this guy, who gave me a shirt, and I'm in Marseille the next day. I was supposed to go to Ukraine, and I get a message on Facebook, and it's this Joey guy, and he goes, "You coming to Ukraine?" I'm like, "You're in Ukraine." <laughs> he was uh, the same guy we met in Kabul three years ago, and the chances, uh, or the chances that he's in Ukraine. So he was there, and he told me a lot of the info of what's going on there, and it's uh, yeah. it's pretty sad. 
And uh, what the Canadian troops there is is pretty amazing because they're dedicating a lot of their lives mm-hmm. for another country for to help other people uh, stick up for their country. Mainly. And uh, it's pretty amazing what those guys do over yeah. there. Yeah, absolutely. And and to see it up close like that had to be just a real real treat and a real eye-opener for you. Now, I, I have it from a source that, was there some incident with scorpions? <laughs> In Kuwait? Yeah. So that's a yeah. yes. What happened? Well, well, what happened? Well, no, there was no incident. We got there and people were just saying, uh, when you wake up in the morning, make sure you shake your shoes out. And I'm like, why? And they're just like, well, we had a, we had a scorpion incident, I guess. If someone saw a scorpion, then... I guess they have somewhere in the base there's a scorpion living there and they know exactly where it sleeps and everything so but uh <laughs> they say the scorpions come out at night so i don't know i never got to see one i saw like wild foxes and cats and stuff around the base that's about it but no scorpion incident, okay thankfully all right that's good that's good to hear sean because it would be yeah. bad if something happened absolutely well, so i was worried I was yeah. I don't blame you for being worried. My goodness. I don't want to mess with scorpions, man. I got I to take care of these feet. <laughs> <laughs> Sean White joins us, Eskimos kicker here on 630 Chat Inside Sports. Yeah, you'll be using those feet a lot starting on uh, May 29th. Uh, that's the opening day of training camp on the field. How are the preps going for the uh, for the Grey Cup title defense? Oh, man. I, I don't seem like, yeah, we, we've lost some names, but uh, for the main part, we got we got some great guys coming back and uh, the great thing about this organization is that they know the core group and they kept us all together. And uh, that swagger and that attitude that we brought last year, I don't see changing much. As long as you got Willis and the gang on defense, you know, I don't think we can be beat Riley leading the offense. Like, it's just, we got too many names, and uh, how close this group is is just uh, it's pretty cool. It's pre- I've never been a part of a team this close, and uh, I just want to ball out every day. And it's, uh, fun to be a part of. I want to bring this uh, to to your attention here and just we we had Tony Washington and DeAnthony Batiste in here a couple of weeks ago and talking about various various things and obviously the 2015 season uh, came came up as a topic of conversation if you can imagine that but you know the the question put towards both individuals was when did you really start to think that this was going to be or this could be or this was you know a gray cup caliber season and tony washington said it was when and he said when whitey kicked the field goal in winnipeg to beat the bombers and that was a 53 yarder um what's your reaction to that is that when the locker room really started to believe was that the turning point or is that or or is tony giving you too much credit You know, that's awesome that Tony, I'm shocked Tony said that about me. <laughs> Tony can't say nice things about other people. Especially a kicker. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Tony is awesome, and I've always gotten along with Tony uh, very well. And, uh, you know, for me, like, obviously I came in halfway through a season, and uh, I came from a team like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, I don't want to bash Montreal at all because they're great to me, and I've, I've had a lot of success there, and I love Montreal for they've turned me into the person I am today but uh, when I got to Edmonton situation from Montreal situation I, I was like a breath of fresh air and uh, to be honest I looked around and just I remember the first week I just looked around the locker room saw how people were and the feeling and the mood of the locker room was just spectacular and I, I just said to myself this is something special here just the way the way things are going and I got there right when Riley got back I started playing and then 
uh, you know, people didn't really trust me yet until I made that kick, but I felt it was that three weeks before that. Um, like this is a special locker room and uh, just the coaching staff. It, it's it's really from top to bottom. It's uh, the people upstairs are phenomenal, and I'm so happy I got to meet Len Rhodes on that trip because I got to know him, and he's an unreal guy. Like that guy, mm-hmm. he's just a great guy. I don't see him as a president. I tweeted that and I said like this guy is he's my friend. He's just a beauty, and it starts from there down. And it's just great people. Uh, and when you when you walk into a locker room and you don't want to be there and you're tired, grumpy, you can't get from the front door to your locker without laughing at least once. And uh, and I knew it was special. And uh, I, I'm happy Tony said that, but I felt it a little bit earlier. But I could see how close that team was. And I had my birthday party at Hudson's Pub on White Ave. I, I, I was on the team for maybe three weeks. I told the people to come to Hudson's and... I showed up. The entire team was there. I've never been on a team where the entire team shows up. And actually, my buddy Andrew Jones was like, yeah, that's pretty sweet that the whole team is here. But you want to know what's really amazing? Mike Riley's here. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty cool. And uh, I've never been a part of such a tight team before, and it's something special. And I just hope we can keep it together. And obviously, winning helps. And, uh, but when you're this tight and you do things together, you win and lose together, you're, you're going to succeed more than not. Right on. I know. I know the line in football is once once training camp begins, you gotta you gotta shelve 2015. But uh, there's a lot of this group that's still left. So uh, we'll see what happens in 2016. It's going to be a competitive year in the West as it always is. But uh, Sean, we'll see you in about uh, about pretty much three weeks uh, out there at Commonwealth. And uh, appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for sharing the uh, experience also uh, overseas with the Canadian Forces. Thank you, guys. Uh, see you soon. You betcha. Sean White, Eskimos kicker, part of the 2015 Grey Cup champion Eskimos. To update the uh, scoreboard, Stanley Cup playoffs, Sharks lead after two one period of play, 2-1 over the Predators. Chris Tierney has two goals in this game, his second and third of the playoffs. Roman Yossi replies for the Nashville Predators with his first of the playoffs. 3-1 midway through the second period. Stars leading the St. Louis Blues. Stars trying to send this to a game seven. And... Uh, the Blues are, they would rather not travel back to Dallas, but it's looking more like they may have to, so the choice might not be theirs. And the Sharks, they are trying to wrap up this series and head to the Western Conference Final. Half Hour brought to you by Northlands Park Racetrack and Casino. This spring, Northlands Park is your thoroughbred racing destinations. Visit northlandspark.ca. Back with more in a moment. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. And the puck brought in now by Neal. Neal trying to go to the net. Wilson is there too. Here's Yossi jamming it toward the net, and he scores! Roman Yossi continued on the attack, and the Predators have pulled within one at 15-27. That is the one and only Pete Weber, voice of the Nashville Predators. Every time I call Pete, he uh, is very savvy. He'll usually say, hello, Alberta, or hello, Edmonton. Pete's one of the best in the biz and uh, a very good person. So we have uh, talked about, and it's, by the way, 2-1 San Jose after one period of play. San Jose trying to win this game, and they would advance to the Western Conference Final. Nashville would like to have other ideas, and that's a long flight back to San Jose for Game 7. Uh, we've talked about, uh, especially the first uh, half hour of the show, about the uh, the role sports has played in relief efforts for the Fort McMurray fires. And 
Kellen Kennedy and I are mm. big wrestling fans. You're a bigger wrestling fan than I am. Well, I don't know. I, you, you're pretty big. It's it's you know I don't know what. Why am I why am I trying to rank it? Yeah, we're, don't we're rank. Big, we're big wrestling fans. Yeah. There you go. Now. Uh, Something really cool happened in the world of wrestling mm-hmm. uh, with Kevin Owens, who is a Canadian. Yep. From Montreal, I believe, right? Yeah, Montreal area. And Tyler Breeze. From the Vancouver area. Vancouver. Yeah. Two Canadians got together to do what? Well, they started a GoFundMe, I, I want to say about uh, four or five days ago, they started this GoFundMe for the uh, Alberta wildfire victims. It directly, all the proceeds that they will generate will go right to the Red Cross. So uh, they had an initial goal of $30,000, and they have this campaign going until May 22nd, which is the next big WWE pay-per-view event, Extreme yeah, Rules. Right. Well, they've smashed the 30,000 mark in a matter of hours. It wasn't a matter of days. It was a matter of hours. So today they announced that they have uh, created a, uh, I guess, a higher target Mm -hmm. of $100,000 by May 22nd. And so far we are sitting at uh, just over 38,000. That's really cool. Like I said, earlier today they just announced it and that stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's really cool. And it's two Canadian guys, you know, reaching out, giving back to, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, the country they come from and that stuff. And the bigger, the biggest thing out of this is these are two bad guys. Yeah, that's two, right. Two bad guys. In heels. The two heels, yeah. Especially Kevin Owens. Exactly. He's a, the heel of heels heel. right now. Yeah. <laughs> Probably the, the, the biggest and the best heel the company has right now. Yeah, you're right. So, so. but, you know, and, and just looking at some of the, the donations here, you know, people donating tens, twenties, fifties, a couple of hundreds. Like, man, it's huge. Yeah, it's great. But uh, GoFundMe.com, and uh, or you can just uh, search it on the internet. Uh, GoFundMe Kevin Owens is how I found it on Google, and you just click over to the link. Very cool. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how far-reaching this story has. You know, has has. I mean, it, people in the states are talking about it. CNN is talking about it. Uh, there are there's been news coverage overseas about mm-hmm. it, and it impacts you. It, yep. it definitely does, and the sporting world has been really good. And yes, it's wrestling, sports, entertainment. We get that, but still, um, good for good for two good Canadian boys mm-hmm. in the WWE to step up and uh, and to uh, to do this. So yeah, and especially with Tyler, he's he got his foot in the door in Western Canada, working yeah. the independents here in Edmonton and Calgary and that stuff. So he's probably worked Fort McMurray a few times as a wrestler on his way coming up. Yes. to the WWE. So and someone the WWE should utilize better, but yes. we won't talk about that. Yes, this is definitely. not a wrestling that's a, show. That's a different discussion for a different night entirely. <laughs> that that's a discussion you and I have off air. So. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, hey, thanks, Kellen. Yeah, no problem. Telling that story, we will have all the way from Thailand. We will have Patrick Russell, uh, one of the two college players the Oilers signed today. Drake Kajula is the other one. Both signed two-year entry-level deals. This is what Peter Shirelli said about Patrick Russell, who's uh, 6'1". Uh, but he's a, he's a big, strong kid, um, and he's, I call he's a strong cycle player, and he's got really good hands, and, and he's good net front. So he's, he's kind of come to the college game a little bit later. He's, he's, uh, he's from Denmark, played in the USHL, um, actually played with Todd McClellan's uh, son in the USHL. Um, 
And you know what? We we uh, we don't have a lot of that in the pipeline. And he's he's a '93 birth, so he's 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 you know he's close to playing. Uh, he's just got to, his foot speed has to get up up to speed, so to speak, a little a little more. Um, but strong, strong on the puck, big, strong, uh, good, good release. Uh, he scored 20 this year in, in uh, at St. Cloud, which is no easy feat. So um, uh, we we were on him a little bit last year, and uh, and he had a real good year this year. And um, again, fortunate to get him, and happy to have him. And really, Kajula and Russell are two players that may not end up in Edmonton right away with the Oilers, but this organization really needs to restock their depth, which has taken a hit. You know, and most recently, Tyler Pitlick was the only roster player beyond the first round to suit up with the Oilers. Uh, That's not good. There's other draft picks in their system, but none of them are really playing with the big club right now, and that's a concern. That's a big concern. So, Kajula now probably becomes their best forward in Bakersfield and we'll see where uh, where Patrick Russell sits and we will hear from him after the news all the way from Thailand why is he in Thailand why we must know answers we will <laughs> we'll tell you in a moment uh, after the news update from uh, Morgan Smith from the 630 Chad 24 hour news center uh, this young man is uh, well versed well traveled and has pretty cool story to tell. So uh, we'll let him tell the story here after 8 o'clock. Also, we'll hear from Jerry Dobson, retiring Sportsnet soccer analyst after 18 years with the network, 37 years in broadcasting. September 10th, he is saying so long to a very solid sports broadcasting career. Back with our number three of Inside Sports in a moment, it's Campbell in for Wilkins. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.